Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our Grovetown campus. I'd like to welcome those in our South campus, those in our Dream Center experience, those in our atrium, and all of you who are watching online. It's a great day to be in church. You know, I like to start with something funny, and sometimes the, those things that are funny are not true, and sometimes they are true, and this happens to be one of those true things. Some time ago, I met a young a family after church that sat right over here, and as I was talking to this young mom, um, I said, um, how did you get your son uh, to be so calm in the second half of the sermon? Because in the first half of the sermon, I'm telling you, he was fidgety. He was sitting up, sitting on the floor, all around, just really moving around and everything. And then in the second half of the sermon, it was like he was just like just cool and calm and everything. And she said, well, here's what I did. I reached down and said, if you keep this up, you're going to disturb the pastor, and he's going to have to start this sermon all over again. <laughs> and it worked. And so let me tell you, uh, just be nice, and maybe I won't have to start the sermon all over again. I, I laugh at that, and I still laugh at that sometimes. We're continuing our series called Greater Than, and because I believe that God has a plan for your life, and God has a purpose for your life. And for you to accomplish his plan and your purpose, you need a power greater than yourself. And so over these weeks, I just want you to be open to that. Be open to receiving a spiritual energy and a spiritual power. So many times you come into a situation like this, a service like this, we all do. And there are times where we feel like we are overwhelmed And maybe that's you. You feel like you're overwhelmed with this challenge. You're overwhelmed with this commitment. You're overwhelmed with another situation. Or some of you are dealing with a sickness or disease. Or you said, I cannot believe I'm still dealing with the same problem at work. When will it ever go away? Well, when pressures like this hit us, and they hit us at all different times, there's a temptation just to throw up our hands and say, I can't do this anymore. There's a temptation to throw in the towel. But the big idea for this series is this. We believe that there's a power greater than yourself that can restore you to wholeness and prepare you for God's purpose. We believe that there is a power that's greater than yourself that can restore you Restore you to wholeness. Can restore you to wholeness and prepare you for God's purpose. Now, when we talk about this power, I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. In the days following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he met with his disciples for around 40 days. But toward the end, before his ascension, he gathered his disciples together And in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, this is the foundational scripture for all four weeks. 
Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father have promised, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power uh, and from on high. That's in the book of Luke. Now, in Acts chapter 1, we see a verse that says basically the same thing. But to help you understand the, connect, the connection between the two books, the reason the book of Luke and the book of Acts of the Apostles are connected is that they have the same author. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Luke was considered to be a historian, so he was writing the history of Jesus, but he was also writing the history of the early church. And so that's why we have these writings. He's also considered uh, to be a a physician. And so it's interesting to look at some of the words he uh, chose to use in these writings would lean toward his medical background. So we pop over to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It said, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, the disciples took that to heart, and they went to Jerusalem and went to an upper room. And while they were in that upper room, they began praying and waiting. They waited there for 10 days. And they continued to pray. I think all of us have things that we are praying for. That's why 21 days of prayer is so important. And and there's a card right in the seat back in front of you in Grovetown and our South Campus and the Augusta Campus here. That if you would like for us to join with you in prayer, fill this out, bring it forward at the conclusion of the service. And we'll be praying for you tomorrow morning with this. But there, we're all waiting and we're praying together. Maybe some of you are waiting for a dream to come to pass. Maybe you're waiting for a problem to turn around. Maybe you're waiting for a door to open. Maybe you're waiting for, to meet the right person. And oftentimes when it takes longer than we think it should take, it's easy to get Uh, discouraged. It's easy to get impatient and think, when is this ever going to happen? And to those of you who are in the waiting room, I just want to say to you, stay in faith, keep praying, keep believing, because I do believe your answer is coming. Sometimes what seems to be a delay or an unanswered prayer could actually be God's timing at work because God sees the master plan of your life and God knows exactly what you need when you need it. So we have to trust God in his timing. Now, these disciples were told to go wait in the city of Jerusalem. They went to an upper room. They met there. They stayed there day after day. They were praying. Now, this prayer meeting coincided with a holiday season. This holiday season um, was, the fest- was the Feast of Pentecost. It was a Jewish festival that celebrated the wheat harvest, and it came uh, 50 days after the Passover. The Feast of Pentecost is very similar to what we have today in our Thanksgiving season. So as people in the community were enjoying a few days off, enjoying their Thanksgiving season, The disciples were there praying and waiting for God to fulfill his promise. We continue. It says, 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse five, but for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, as they have gathered there in this room, this upper room, as they were praying on the 10th day, something happened. The Holy Spirit was released in that room. The wind of God began to blow. Now, this was not a normal breeze. It was more than that. This was a a spiritual wind, a spiritual wind that blew into that room and it released a spiritual energy into the lives of the people as they were praying. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. A little over 30 years ago, Patty and I had this unique opportunity to take a youth group on a missions trip to Montana. And so we went to Montana. uh, We sang at a few churches. We did light construction work, and we saw the sights. But each night, we gathered with that youth group for a time of devotion. One night, we were in Helena, Montana. We were meeting with the youth group in the living room of the pastor's house. Now, the windows of this living room were up, and there was a gentle breeze that blew in that room. And so I gathered the youth group around, and we started praying, asking God to move in that room. I'll never forget this. As we prayed, the velocity of the wind increased. The wind became so strong that the curtains that were normally touching the floor were now touching the ceiling. And it stayed there for several minutes. I'll tell you, this continued for some time. And it was as the wind blew fresh air into that room, it was as if God was blowing fresh air into the lives of our youth group. You know, it's been over 30 years. And when I still see some of those folks in the youth group, they remember that moment. It made an impact on them that God allowed that to happen during this time of prayer. I would imagine that's how the disciples maybe felt that day as the wind of God began to blow. Not only did they experience the wind, but they they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came down and rested on each one of them. Now, when we think about the practicality of fire, what does fire do? Fire uh, warms us. Fire purifies us. Fire, uh, at times, uh, provides direction for us. We think about the children of Israel going through the wilderness. How were they led? They were led with a fire in the sky during uh, uh, during the night and a cloud during the day. So in the same way, when spiritual fire, what seemed to be cloven tongues of fire, it was there to provide that spiritual energy for these individuals. These disciples witnessed a page of history as it was being written. 
Never before had God blown into a room with such spiritual intensity. They were changed. They would never be the same. We continue Acts chapter 2 verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. On that day, the Holy Spirit was released on a group of ordinary people. And God's Spirit gave them this power, this spiritual energy, this anointing, this ability, supernatural ability to spread the word. The same power is available to all of us who believe. I grew up in a church about an hour from here. It's a small little church, and it seemed like every Sunday we would gather, specifically on Sunday nights, we would gather and we would pray for Acts chapter 2 to happen again. We'd read these verses and we'd say, God, let it happen here. God, fill us with your presence. And there are times that it would happen. I mean, as a youngster, I witnessed what many people would consider supernatural occurrences, people speaking in spiritual languages, people being healed, and signs and wonders happening. But too often, as the smoke cleared, many of us continued to live our lives just as we had done before it happened. Everything went on as normal. We were not any different. You see, we were stirred, but we were not changed. We simply did not understand the purpose of this power. For us, Pentecost was an experience that we longed for, but it was not a way of life that we embraced. As you hear this story from the book of Acts, I want you to understand this is more than a history lesson. But this message is for you because I believe that this power that is greater than yourself, that God has released it and made it available to you, made the Holy Spirit available to you and to me. But I want you to understand What I didn't understand when I was growing up, I didn't realize that the power of the Holy Spirit was very practical. The power is designed to help you live your full, uh, to your full potential, to help you be the person that God's created you to be, to help you to move into your purpose. And over the next few minutes, I want to just share with you four distinct qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to give you as believers in Jesus Christ. And if we will embrace these qualities, I believe that we will be changed from the inside out. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to share Christ boldly. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to share Christ boldly. He said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God is calling you 
to be a witness. Now, when you hear the word witness, you often think about a courtroom. But he's not asking you to be an attorney to argue his case. God's not asking you to be a judge to judge somebody else's sin. God is asking you simply to be a witness. I want you to be my witnesses. Now, what does a witness do? A witness just says, here's what I've seen, here's what I've heard, and this is what happened. A witness goes to the courtroom, here's what I've seen, here's what I've heard, and this is what I saw happening. And that's how God wants you to approach your story. That's how you witness. Just say, this is what has happened to me. And God's called you to be a witness, and he wants you to start right where you are in your Jerusalem, in Judea, in Augusta, in South Augusta, in Grovetown, in North Augusta, in this area, in the CSRA. And then we spread out to Judea, which would be Georgia and South Carolina, and we go out through the uh, ends of the earth. He's called us to be a witness He's called us to share his word. He's given us this power to be a witness. This is exactly what happened to Peter. We see the life of Peter. Prior to Pentecost, Peter lived in fear and not in faith. He was the the disciple that denied knowing Jesus three different times. In fact, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, uh, Peter was nowhere to be found. But yet he was in this upper room, and when this power fell on him, it transformed him to the point where that day he stood up and preached, and over 3,000 people were saved. The same thing happened to the Apostle Paul, had a similar experience. Paul struggled as a public speaker. But when Paul stood up to preach, the words that he said were touched by the Spirit. They were anointed by the Spirit. Next week, I want to talk about the anointing because I believe you have an anointing on your life. And we're going to talk about that. And so when Paul was anointed to do this, it um, transformed his community and the world as we know it. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, you know, my message and my preaching We're not with wise and persuasive words. No, I'm not an eloquent speaker here. But my words have the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. I believe that's going to happen to you. That God's going to anoint your words just like he anointed the Apostle Paul's words. He said, oh, I don't have plans to be a public speaker. I don't have plans to be a preacher. I don't know what, this is not for me. I'm talking to you. Because this week, you're going to be in a conversation with someone. And just maybe, there's going to be an opportunity for that conversation to turn, just to turn into a spiritual conversation. 
And just maybe you're going to have an opportunity just to share something, maybe a part of your story. Maybe you'll share a scripture. Maybe you'll say something. And those words will be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And those words that you say will be like life to that individual who is receiving them. It'll be like a drink to their thirsty souls. What's the difference? Between a normal conversation and a spiritual conversation. It's when we are open to the Spirit's promptings. And we allow Him to speak through us. I said there's four things, there's four qualities that if we will do this, we'll embrace these four qualities. I think we will be better people along the way. Here's the second one. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to stand strong when you are weak. Talking about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's important for the Holy Spirit to be in this room today, but I want you to understand He's not just in the church building here or in Grovetown or in South Campus. The Holy Spirit lives within you. So wherever you're going, He is with you. And he will give you the power to be strong when you're weak. Now, I've seen this happen in my life time and time again because there are moments when uh, I have to deal with something or deal with a challenge, and, and I just feel weak. I feel worn out, and I'm thinking, I can't go on another day. I don't have anything else to give. I just don't have anything else to give. Some of you young moms, you feel like that on a regular basis. You know, there's just so many diapers that you can change There's just so many fights that you can referee. And and there comes a point that sometimes you feel like, I just can't go on. I am too weak for this. There's, There's just nothing more. But it's in those moments where the Holy Spirit gives us a power from the inside out, a power greater than ourselves. Here's the point. When you have come to the end of your rope, when you've come to the end of your strength, the Holy Spirit is strong where you cannot be. He gives you power when you're weak. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, but Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? In your weaknesses. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Look at verse 10. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You ask the Holy Spirit, now, Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me strength for the journey. Give me your power. Give me your anointing. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I do know this. If you will cry out for the power of God in your life, you will get through those things that you are going through. It may be some type of habitual sin in your life. And you say, God, I need power to say no and to turn away from this. It may be some sort of addiction that has you bound. You fought and you fought and nothing seems to work. Let me ask you a question. Have you asked God to fill you with his power? Have you asked God to anoint you, to give you strength when you feel like you're out of strength? 
Because when you are weak, he is strong. Here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit will give you hope in a world that is increasingly hopeless. The Holy Spirit will give you hope in a world that is increasingly hopeless. This is where so many of us find ourselves right now, in a hopeless place. I mean, you just feel like that every door has been closed and you feel like you're out of options. Now, for some of you, it's happened recently. You're a recent college graduate and and you just thought you'd be working by now and and nobody's hiring in your field. Or for others, it came at a, uh, that hopeless feeling came at a moment when there was a terrifying crisis in your life. When your world became that world of hospital beds and, and IVs and insurance claims. Or maybe you felt hopeless or you felt like your world fell apart when you filed for divorce or when you fell into that financial reversal. I mean, you had your life all planned out. You were going to have the perfect house. You were going to have the perfect spouse. You are going to have the perfect kids. You are going to have the perfect job. But just life has not turned out that way. I want you to listen to this next statement. Grovetown, South Campus. If you don't hear any other statement today, this is the one statement I want you to hear and I want you to receive as God's word for you. I want you to know this. God does his best work in hopeless situations. God does his best work when it seems like you've run out of options. God does his best work when it seems like the night is the darkest and and the dawn will never come. God does his best work when the doctors say there's no hope. When the bank account is empty. Because when you get to a place of zero, then know this, you are in the place to receive a miracle. And what is hope? Hope is believing that there are better days ahead. I love Paul's writings in Romans 15. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That's what we're going after today, right? I mean, we're longing, God, give me peace. God, give me joy. How do we get that? The God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace. How do you do that? As you trust in him so that that you may overflow with hope. How are you going to overflow with hope? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to overflow with hope. What is hope? Hope is that belief that things can change, that things can be better, that you can get through this. And I just want to encourage you, and I just want to remind you, put your hope in God. If you put your hope in anything else, you're going to be limited. But if you put your hope in God, you are going to live in the overflow. Put your hope in God. To those of you that have lost your job, 
Remember, God is your provider. To those of you who are sick, I want you to know that God is your healer. To those of you who are worried about tomorrow, put your hope in God and remember that the Holy Spirit is your comforter. To those of you that have suffered loss, I want you to be reminded of that we don't grieve like people who have no hope. But we have this promise that there are better days ahead. We can put our hope in him. Here's the fourth one. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to experience the fullness of God. The fullness of God. When I look around our community, I see so many people that say to me, Oh, I'm a Christian. And what they mean by saying I'm a Christian, one group means, well... I'm not Muslim, I'm not Jewish, I'm not a Buddhist, I'm a Christian. And that's what it means. They were born in America and therefore they're Christians. When I say that to another group of people, it's a group of people that say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I've checked all the boxes. I believe in God. I prayed the prayer. I was baptized. I joined the church. I read my Bible every now and then. And then I really tried to be a good person. After they've checked all the boxes, it seems like they go on living their lives just like they did before. Their lives really do not look any different than the non-Christian down the street. They're still hurting. They're still addicted. They're still filled with worry and fear. They're still broke. They're still struggling. They don't have any real faith. And they haven't experienced victory. And you say, why is that? Why do you have one person who says they're a Christian over here And they're struggling and have no victory. And then you have another person over here that says they're a Christian and they're living on top and not on bottom. What's the difference here? What's the difference? It's the power of God. Too many people are living like the disciples before Pentecost. They have this form of godliness, but they have denied the power of God. They've checked all the boxes, but there's nothing on the inside. They're just going through the motions. The message of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit is going to give you power to change you from the inside out so you can be filled with the fullness of God. Paul prayed over the believers in Ephesus, and he said, Oh, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he will strengthen you with power. Some of you need that today. You need to be strengthened with power because you've walked into this building, you've tuned into this broadcast, and you are at one of the lowest points of your life. And you wonder, can I even go on? And Paul is saying, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches that he will strengthen you with power. How? Through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love may have power. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When you live in the fullness of God, your life will be different. People will look at you and say, you know what? I don't know what it is, but there's something different about that person. There's something different about him. There's something different. I hadn't quite put my finger on it, but they will notice it. They will see that you will have an inner peace and an inner joy when it seems like things are not going well. They will see that you have a hope. When you have the fullness of God, it changes your life. It gives you strength and it gives you power. And I think it opens you up to his favor and a destiny and purposes like never before. And it's my prayer that you would open up your life and say, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I heard about this old country preacher who, as the years went by, he lost his eyesight. And he got to the point where he couldn't even read the Bible. So on Sunday mornings, someone would lead him up to the stage and to the pulpit, and he would open up his Bible to the book of Acts, and he would just put his hands on that, that verse that he could not read because he could not say, see, and he would just simply say, God, do it again. God, do it again. And that's my prayer for us, that God would do it again, that God would pour out his spirit upon our church, upon Stevens Creek Church, that it would change us from the inside out. It would open up our eyes uh, to the needs of this community, that we would look into the eyes of lost people and say that you matter to God, and if you matter to God, then you matter to me. That we would look into the eyes of the people who are suffering and, and that we would reach out a helping hand and that we would help lift them up because we know that we are here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You see, this power of Pentecost is designed so that we can truly live out our calling and live out our purpose and be the light in this world. But the challenge is, so many of us live below our potential because we have the tendency to live in our own power and not rely on God's power. We have a tendency to be so full of ourselves that we don't have room to be filled with the presence of God. And so we come to a place like this, a 21 days of prayer, and we're saying, God, do it again. But for God to do it again, we've got to come to the place where we surrender to him and say, God, get the junk out of my life. Then we surrender to him and said, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, would you come and do it again? And God, would you move in my life? And would you move in this family and this church? I so want you to experience this energy. 
I so want you to feel this power, not just in this service, but as you go out into the marketplace tomorrow, as you go into the schools tomorrow. I want you to be filled with the presence of the Lord. So let me ask you a question. Are you ready? Are you tired of living like you've been living? Are you ready for change? Are you ready to receive strength for the journey? Are you hungry for more? That you have this desire inside. There's got to be more to this life than the life that I've been living. If you are ready for more, I just want you to cry out to God. Say, God, come and fill me with your spirit. That we have this hunger. Say, God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. I want it. Let's stand across this congregation and our Grovetown campus and our South campus. Let's all stand together. And I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to ask God to do it again, to move in your life, to move in this place. And I just want you to be receptive. Say, God, whatever it is you have for me, I want it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. I pray over the individuals that are bound. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would set the captive free. I pray over individuals in this church, Lord, that are suffering. I ask God that you would open up a door of new life and new hope. I pray right now that you would release your power and your spirit to bring comfort and to be, bring strength to them. I pray over, over those that are suffering in their body. I pray that they would be healed. How many of you uh, that need a healing today or you have someone close to you that need a healing? I want you to raise your hand right here in all of our campuses. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, you see the hands that are lifted across our church. Today, we're asking you to have mercy. Today, we're asking you to come and bring healing, to bring strength. God, we speak to cancer that it would be healed. Uh, We speak to addictions that they would be broken, to diseases that they would leave. God, come and bring healing. Father, I pray that you would give strength to those who are weak. And today, we open up our hearts and we say to you, God, I receive what you have for me. I want you to say that out loud. Say, God, I receive. Say that again. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. I need you to say it just a little bit louder. I need you to say it with faith. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.